So yeah, here we are. <laughs> the last Sabbath of 2020. Um, first of all, I want to recognize that some people, all of you are very important. And we love all of you. But some of you we don't quite see every week. And I noticed that Ericsons are here. So when I express that we love you very much and we appreciate the work that you guys are doing across the world. Um, God bless you guys. We pray for you guys and we appreciate you guys. You guys are an inspiration. We love you guys. Um, also, see my, also see my, my brother Sean over here. God bless you, Sean. And Sister Rita, God bless you so much. And all of you, just want to say um, in a special way, thank you. Um, you have truly, truly, um, can, can you hear me okay? Yeah. You have truly um, shown in so many ways to my family and I how much you care for us, whether it's in cards and gifts and messages. Um, and we just want to say that we really, really appreciate it. And um, we feel the love, and we love you as well. Amen. Um, this is it. <laughs> I think it's been announcing that we're going to be going for like eight or seven weeks now. And the week is finally here, that we are, um, we are here for our last time in the capacity of associate pastors. Um, but we just want to say thank you. Uh, we take you with us. Uh, we're not going too far. Um, so yeah, we love you guys. We love you guys. Well, with that said... How many of you are ready to hear a word from the Lord? Can you say amen? Amen. amen. That was a good amen. Praise God. Um, and you also watching there from your screen, wherever you are, uh, when I say happy Sabbath to you as well. How many of us brought our Bibles this morning? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Something about the Bible. Smartphones are all good in that. You know, they're, they're great. But man, something about paper and binding and ink and something about it. Amen. I encourage you to have your Bibles and follow along in the message with me. Um, we're going to have a quick word of prayer, and then we're going to get right into it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Let me come over here. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much, Lord, that we can come and worship you. We can praise you. We can speak to you directly. We can gather together, Lord, and express to you how much, how much you mean to us. Lord, I pray as I open your word, that you may please, Lord, speak through a nobody. May I be able, may this nobody be able to speak about somebody, Lord. That somebody who is a savior of the world. Lord, make me just, just a nail on the wall, Father, on which a beautiful, clear picture of Jesus can hang. Lord, help us now as we study your word and we thank you again. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, church family. All right, question for you. When you think of 2020, what comes to mind? <laughs> okay, okay, I heard you, Alexis, I heard you. Amen, amen, amen. Well, chances are that you wouldn't count it among the best of years. For most of us, perhaps. Memorable. Indeed, it has been memorable, but probably for all the wrong reasons, wouldn't you say? I think a t-shirt that I saw recently sums it up well when it says, 2020 stinks. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe. But the question is, do you stink? Do I stink? Well, let me explain what I mean. Does our attitudes stink? 
Hopefully not. Friends, the reality is that sooner or later, we are all going to face serious challenges in our lives, whether in this year or the next. And last time I read my Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy, the forecast um, calls for storms and gloomy weather, spiritually speaking. Are you catching my drift? Painful problems, hurtful disappointments, discouraging circumstances. For some of us, it may be a health challenge. For others, it may be financial troubles. Yet for others, it may be the deep distress of a marital problem or some other personal relationship issue. And that's not even mentioning the trials of our faith that the Bible says will be very large. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, All... All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. This means, friends, I don't mean to be the preacher of doom here, but if you can count on something in this life, it is that there will be disappointments, problems, pains, along with the joys and happiness and the blessings from God. So basically, life is like a bag of treats. Some treats are sweet, and some treats are bitter. Are you with me? The question is, how do we deal with that? In particular, how do we deal with the negatives in our lives? After all, we have a promise in the Word of God, yea, promises, that even the negative things of life can be blessings. Do you believe that? Do you believe that that there could be such a thing as a painful blessing? Well, I think every woman here that has gone through childbirth can testify to the fact that indeed there can be what? Painful blessings. Amen? I don't speak from experience, but from witnessing. Romans 8, 28, you may know that verse. And we know that all things work together for good to those who what? Who love God and are called according to his purpose. Amen? That is a promise, friends. Sometimes the most painful things in our lives can turn out to be our biggest blessings. If we approach them with an attitude of faith, a willingness to praise God in the midst of pain. Let me explain. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. There we will find our message this morning entitled, The Power of Praise. The Power of Praise. In this chapter, well, in the verses leading up to chapter 16, And in the beginning verses of chapter 16, we we find Paul and Silas, together with some other companions, embarking on the second great missionary tour. This time, they go further west into the actual territory that we call now Europe, especially the southeastern part of Europe near Greece. They planned to go elsewhere, but God intervened, and he gave Paul a vision in which there was a Macedonian man saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. 
So Paul obeyed, and they set off in that direction. They eventually make it to the city of Philippi. And there in Philippi, they meet an influential woman called Lydia. The Bible says, pardon me, that the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. Lydia and her family were baptized, and she, being a very hospitable person, invited the apostles to stay in, in her guest room while they were in Philippi. Now, things were going good. So far, so good. It is good to be an apostle. Things are going good. Praise be to God. But not, all, not, not everything was running on all cylinders. You see, in that city, there was a poor young girl, a slave girl. Not only was she a slave, but she was possessed by a demon. And that demon had made her into a very successful and profitable psychic, or as the Bible calls her, a fortune teller. teller. Through her, the devil tried to confuse the people of the city who were hearing the words of salvation from the lips of the apostles by moving upon this girl to repeatedly give her approbation of the apostles by saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. You see, the devil, notice he's very tricky here. He's very, very subtle and very, a, a, very, a very tricky temptation here. The devil was trying to associate in the minds of the citizens of Philippi the work of the demon with the work of the apostles, friends. And Paul decides... Enough is enough. And then he rebukes the demon, telling it, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her, amen? That very hour, there's power in the name of Jesus. What do you say, church family? Amen. That very hour, the demon went out of her. Now, as you can imagine, the girl's owners weren't happy that... Paul shut down their business. So the Bible says that they took hold of Paul and Silas and dragged them physically to the marketplace, the center of town there, where the authorities were. They accused them of some bogus charges. And then the owners of the slave girls, they were of the slave girl, they were able to rally up a crowd that created a chaotic scene. And then we read, what, and then we have what we read here. I'm going to read from verses 20 to 24. So if you could join me here, Acts 16, verses 20 to 24. The Bible says, And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be what? Beaten with rods. And when they had laid stripes on them, they, were, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, He put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet 
in the stocks. Now, I want you to put yourself in the shoes or, or sandals of Paul and Silas. They, after all, are on God's errands. They are there in that city of Philippi because God had given them a vision telling them to go there and not where they wanted to be. God had used their powerful preaching to change the life of Lydia and of this slave girl. But now, friends, where was God in the midst of this terrible ordeal? Where was God in the midst of these blows, of this injustice? Where was he? The Bible says that they were beaten so bad that they were filled with stripes or with wounds. Especially their backs probably bore the brunt of it. Can you see them, friends? These preachers, imagine in your minds, bleeding, bruised, swollen from their wounds. And let me tell you, the Romans were not shy when it came out to dishing punishment. History tells us that at every official beating, the person could die, actually, or if not, they could be permanently um, disabled because the... the the blows were so many and so hard. And all of this, friends, happens without any trial, which the Romans were supposed to do because they had a justice system, but those officials were corrupt and they suffered injustice as a result. So there they are, friends. There they are. And not only are they there suffering injustice, they tell the jailer to secure them. That, so the jailer puts them into the inner prison. Now, back then, prisons were small, very small, um, dingy, cold places. With, um, they had a few cells, tiny cells, and they had a tiny little window where a little bit of light would come in and a little bit of ventilation. But many prisons, like this one in Philippi, had an inner, inner prison the Bible calls it inner prison. It was more like an underground dungeon, friends. There, there was zero light, pitch black, zero ventilation. It was often cold and, and damp. It was a terrible place to be. You can imagine the smells there. No toilet facilities, no bed, just hard, cold rock, friends. Can you imagine the place? And that's not even the worst of it. If that wasn't worse, if that wasn't bad enough, the jailer decides to put their feet in the stocks, the Bible says. Basically, it was a big, big board, flat board with holes in it. It was a movable board with hinges that you could open it, put prisoners' feet in there, lock it, and then it would make their experience extra unbearable, extra uncomfortable. And this, friends, was their lot. The only way to rest was to lay their backs back, back on the cold, filthy, dirty rock. That dungeon, friends, was absolutely the last place where you or me would want to be. But church, in spite of these dramatic turn of events, 
despite the pain, despite the injustice, despite the smell and the fatigue, the apostles had a choice and they knew it. And friends, you have a choice as well. In the midst of your challenges and trials and pains, you have a choice as well. I have a choice as well. You see, the apostles could approach this very challenging situation from a faith perspective or from a doubt and murmuring perspective. Are you following me? They had a choice. After all, weren't they humans? And as humans, they could have given in to that inclination, human inclination to complain, to pout and have a pity party and say, God, why me? They could have let their immediate circumstances cloud out their glorious future. They could have let their pain and weakness hide the power and virtue of their God. They could have let circumstances consume them and lead them to believe that God was not there. They could have done that, friends. But the good news is, they, can you finish it? They didn't do that. But rather, they chose another option. Let's read verses 25 and 26. If you have your Bible still open with me, please. Acts, 20, Acts 16, verses 25 and 26. The Bible says, But at midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. The Bible says that suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chain was what? Loosed. And I say, praise be to God. Paul and Silas chose the option of faith. They chose the option of praise and prayer instead of murmuring. They chose not to focus on the pain, on the smell of urine or human feces. No, they did not focus on the great injustice they had just suffered and were suffering. Instead, friends, they focused on God's greatness. Can you say amen today? They focused on God's power. They thought about how Lydia's life was forever changed. They remembered how the name of Jesus had liberated that poor slave girl from the bondage of demon possession. They did not forget that it was God who sent them there. I can imagine in that terrible experience that the promises that they were well acquainted with from the Old Testament came flooding into their minds. Maybe they recited Psalms 23, 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will, help me out here, fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, what? Or perhaps they recited Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2, which says, Fear not, Paul and Silas. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, Paul and Silas, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Or maybe they 
went to, in their minds to Psalms 34. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. You guys know verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps all around who? Those who fear him and delivers them. Friends, God was ministering to them, and that's why they could praise. I want to share with you a, a quotation here from Acts of the Apostles, page 213. I think it's up here on the screen. Yes, thank you. It says, The apostles suffered, notice the word used there, extreme torture because of the painful position in which they were left. But they did not murmur. Instead, in the utter darkness and desolation of the dungeon, what did they do, friends? They encouraged each other by words of prayer and sang praises to God because they were found worthy to suffer shame for his sake. Their hearts were cheered by a deep and earnest love for the cause of their Redeemer. Isn't that a powerful sentence right there? They loved the work of salvation so much that their hearts were cheered. Powerful. And now notice this. This is another thing that would help us to praise God. Look what Paul was thinking about. Paul thought of the persecution he had been instrumental in bringing upon the disciples of Christ. So once upon a time, it was as if Paul had been the jailer or the ones beating the Christians. And it says here, and he rejoiced that his eyes had been opened to see and his heart to feel the power of the glorious truths which once he despised. So Paul, for a moment, looked back at the man he was and he saw the man that he was presently at that time, and what, what happened? He rejoiced, and the pain became bearable. I don't know if any of us have tasted the, bitter, the bitterness of being living a Christ-less life out in the world. Some of us may, may not have had that, that bitter experience because we were raised in the church and stayed in the church. Praise be to God. That's a powerful testimony. But whenever you get discouraged, think about who you were and remember that God has you where you are. Amen? Amen. And he's not done with you. That's, that's, that's an, an amazing thought as well. Amen? We praise God. So this helped Paul in his pain. What a powerful thing it is, church family, when we choose to praise God. You see, praise is not just music and, and, and sounds and then words and feeling. Those things are good. Praising, I want to suggest to you today, is a choice. Instead of focusing on our immediate surroundings or circumstances or problems or disappointments, friends, or what we don't have, we need to focus rather as Paul and Silas focused on God. 
You see, Paul and Silas knew in whom they had believed, and they knew that he was able. Amen? They knew that God was not going to let them down. They knew their promises in the Bible, and they believed them. They knew how merciful God had been to them. They knew the power of the name of Jesus. Do we know that, friends? Do we know the, the, the power of God in our lives? Do, have we tasted that? Have we tasted the power of forgiveness? When somebody does us ill, have we tasted the, the sweetness of service to somebody less fortunate than us? You see, Paul and Silas knew all of this. They were well acquainted with their Savior, and they could do nothing else but just break out in prayer and praising to God. And the, see, the circumstances were powerless when you compare that to their experience with God. The darkness is powerless when you're living in the light. Amen? Now, I don't know what they sang, friends, but they sang. Maybe they sang, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. I'm taking a risk here. Join me. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, lost in his love. Amen. Maybe they sang that. I don't know. I think it wasn't written yet, but in my, in my, my imagination, maybe they did. Or maybe they sang, We have heard a joyful sound. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Spread the gladness all around. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe they sang one of my favorites. I have decided to follow Jesus. Help me out. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Amen. Okay. That was the most painful part of the sermon, okay? <laughs> I don't know what they sang, friends, but the point is that in that pitch black, stinky dungeon, they sang, amen? They sang and they prayed. They prayed and they sang. And I want to challenge you, church family, myself as well. Next time your spouse presses your buttons, start praising the Lord. Get on your knees and talk to God about it. Next time you, 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 you do your budget and you don't have enough money to return your tithes, I challenge you to sing this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Alleluia, alleluia. Amen? Amen. Yes, friends, sing, sing, sing. Singing songs to God is a weapon. It is an AK-47 to demons. 
Beat them up in the name of Jesus. Kick them out. It's like pesticides and mosquitoes. Get away. I'm singing, man. I got no room in my, in my heart for you. Now, I know some of us can't carry a tune. I'm almost in that category. Can't carry a tune even if our life depended on it. But hey, I surely did. You can hum it. Or you can whistle it. Or you can recite scripture. You, you, you guys know what I mean. But we got to keep abiding in Christ even in the difficult times. And I, I want to tell you, especially in the difficult times. It is easy, oh, so easy to praise God in church. It, it is easy to praise God and to thank him and to sing to him when we have some money in our savings and checkings account and some extra money, some extra reserves. That's, it's easy to sing, to sing then. But this story tells us Christians, end time Christians are to sing always. Amen? Praise always. Thank him always because he is able. And I say amen. And after all, friends, it's very difficult to be angry when your mouth is full of praise. It's hard to gossip about somebody when you're praising the Lord. And let me tell you, it's hard to get frustrated at your spouse or at your kids or at your coworkers or at your fellow church members or whatever it is when you're turning your eyes upon Jesus and his perfection and virtues. Now, I know you may not feel like doing it, but in this case, friends, I think you can fake it until you make it. And I believe that God will honor that effort and give you the victory. What do you think, church family? That's my belief. Now, I want you to check out this quote right here. We have another quote from Acts of the Apostles, page 216. Check this out. The Bible says, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Acts of the Apostles says, the spirit of prophecy says, the severity with which the jailer had treated the apostles had not aroused their what? Their resentment. Paul and Silas had the spirit of Christ, not the spirit of revenge. Now this sentence, I love it. I need to post it or something in my in somewhere visible, their hearts filled with the love of the Savior had no room for malice against their persecutors. Isn't that beautiful? There was no room. There is no room. Praise be to God. I think that's the friend, I think that's the key, friends. We need to fill our hearts, fill our minds. Fill our smartphones with messages and music that fills our mental horizons with the virtues of God rather than the vices of men. But make sure it's good Christian music, okay? For there is some Christian music out there that kind of causes me to wonder, but God will give you discernment on that. The story goes on to tell us that the apostles' choice to praise instead of complain was so powerful that the foundations of the prison were shaken to the core and their tight chains 
were loosed and those heavy doors were opened. Now, I don't know. I don't know who I'm speaking to today. I don't know what prison the enemy has you in or he has me in. Whether it's the unforgiving spirit prison, whether it's the I am a perpetual victim prison, or whether it's the prison of feeling stuck in your bad habits or stuck in life, I want to encourage you today, friend, open your mouth and praise God. Bend your knee and pray to God. Open your Bibles and learn to love that book, friends. And you will see the foundations of your prisons crumble. You will see those tight chains that have kept you limited for so long fall off your hands, off your necks. But we must take that step of faith, that approach to faith and focus on God. That's what abiding in Christ is all about. And we will see by God's amazing grace, not by your strength, but by God's amazing grace and your willingness to open your heart to that grace, you will see the glory of God in your life. Friends, something else happens when we discover the power of praise. Somehow, God works more powerfully, listen now, in the life of those who are within our sphere of influence. Listen to me. If you have children who are not walking with the Lord anymore, if you have a brother, a sister, an uncle, an auntie, a cousin, a friend, a neighbor that you really care about, a coworker that you love and is not walking with the Lord, when you choose to live a life of praise and prayer and, and, and calm, peaceful, trusting in God, it's like a perfume, friends. And those around you can smell it. That's what the Bible says. Let's read verse 27 to 30. We're still in Acts 16, friends. Acts 16. The Bible says, And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in. Notice, notice the, the language. He fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Did you notice that, friends? By any standards, the, the jailer in Philippi was a pagan but when he saw the practical Christianity of those Christians. Now, what do I mean by practical Christianity? That means the type of life you live when you're not in church. That's what it means. When you're at work, when you're driving, when you're in the store. This practical Christianity was so powerful that he was shaken to the core and he goes in the dungeon trembling, and he brings him out. Notice this. This is amazing. 
by, by discovering the power of praise, two things were shaken in this story. What were those two things? What were they? Tell me. Speak up. The foundations of the prison, amen, were shaken. But who else was shaken or trembling? The jailer. The jailer. Notice the power of abiding in Christ, the power of praise, friends. And notice also, the jailer is out where there's more light, but he realizes that his soul is in darkness. And those guys down there in that cave, in that pitch blackness, those guys down there singing, praying, praising, they have the light, and I'm in darkness. You see that? Isn't that amazing? So he calls for a light to go down there. Guys, guys, let's come out of here. What must I do to be saved? Beautiful, beautiful story. He was trembling. The jailer was because he saw God, friends. He saw God in the powerful witness of these God followers, these Jesus followers, these Christians. Oh, friends, what will happen when we discover the power of praise. We're not going to get into it, but I want to encourage you this Sabbath afternoon to also read Revelation chapter 7. There it describes the last God followers on earth and their experience of praise and how they went through tribulation as well, but we're not going to get into that. I'm going to close my message now. Humberto Noble Alexander now, I think we have a picture up here. Yep, that's him. He was a recent theology graduate in the island country of Cuba. It was 1962. The Cuban Revolution, three years in, was in full force, and its leaders and followers were very zealous for its success. Pastor Alexander was preaching one night in an evangelistic meeting, on the fall of Lucifer, a spy, a communist spy was there in the audience, and he interpreted that message that he was saying that Fidel Castro is going to fall. So he turned him into the authorities. When they came and got him, they said it was only for a five-minute interrogation. That five minutes, friends, turned to 22 years in a living, of living, uh, a living hell in the communist prisons of Cuba in the 60s, 70s, and early 80s. All that time, he was in, in prison. His testimony is found in a book that I highly, highly recommend. It's called I Will Die Free. It was written by K.D. Rizzo. You may know her. She's written some other powerful stories. Um, but it has an orange. I was, I was, I was going to bring it to you guys, but since we're moving, I couldn't find the book. It's one of those boxes. But anyway, look it up after Sabbath. Look, look up the book and the, and the ABC online or in Amazon, preferably ABC. <laughs> um, and I recommend that's going to be $12, $14 worth your, worth your investment. I read it about 18 years ago. And it powerfully, 
it powerfully impacted my life. It's called I Will Die Free. I think we have a slide. Yeah, there, there it is. I Will Die Free. Take a picture of that, and I recommend that book highly. When this man was initially um, detained, he was interrogated, and he was psychologically and physically tortured. Eventually, after staying strong on his beliefs and rejecting communist ideology, he was sentenced in the kangaroo court. That means a phony trial, basically. And he was sentenced to 20 years in prison for preaching Christ. Friends, this man, and you may notice that he, he spent 22 years, but that was that um, it was so corrupt, the system, that especially when you were a political prisoner, they disregarded your sentence, and, you, and they, they would call it, you have passed to eternity. In other words, you're going to be there until you die. So that's why he spent 22 years in prison, even though he was only sentenced to 20. This man, in the midst of daily beatings with clubs and machetes, and being forced to eat just a scanty diet of rotten food, cultivated an attitude of praise. Early on in his experience, he says the following. Um, and I think we have the quote up here. Um, I, I wasn't able to get the page for you because, I, as I said, I wasn't able to find the book. I got this from online, but it's in the book. It's one, one of the early chapters. He says this, when he realized that this was going to be a long-term thing and not just a bad day, he says this, a wellspring of joy rose up inside me. God had blessed me with a secret privilege far beyond any I could have imagined. I was not suffering unjustly for mistakes I was falsely accused of making, but for the gospel of Jesus Christ. This man of God, friends, held secret prayer meetings, organized small groups that numbered up to 200 individuals inside the prison. After the officials found out about that church, um, that, you know, underground church, um, they sent Alexander and the other leaders to nine different churches. I'm sorry, to nine different prisons, trying to disband and dishearten that church in that one prison. And guess what happened? The Holy Spirit was there in the lives of those men so powerfully that nine new churches were formed. My friends, the Spirit of God moved mightily through the ministry of Pastor Alexander, but it was oh so painful. His wife left him, and she also left her face, and she raised their only son as a staunch Communist. He, he says in his book, that hurt the most. That hurt the most about his son being a communist. I'm not sure his current state. Um, he had to witness nine brothers in the faith die before his eyes, either from starvation, beatings, or being shot at by guards because they were praying. Once, while on a tour of forced labor in the rock quarry, they tried to force him to work on the Sabbath. When he refused, they threw him in a sewer pond where all the, all the latrines emptied there up to his chin. You'll find the story in the, in the book, and it's quite amazing because God causes a lily to grow on the pond. And he's like this on his tippy toes. 
and he's praising God for the lily. You have to read the book, I'm telling you. And they're not paying me for this. (laughs) I'm just telling you. It's a powerful book. But all the while, he kept an attitude of praise and gratitude. Like the apostles, he thanked God for the sacred opportunity and privilege to suffer for the cause of Christ. Umberto always was trying to praise God in the midst of the hell that he was living. And as a result, multiplied thousands of Cuban Seventh-day Adventist Christians know the message of truth for these last days. And many of them can trace their first contact with the message either um, when they were in prison or from an ex-prisoner that had, um, you know, that was, um, that believed in prison and then continued to evangelize outside of prison. The church in Cuba was unstoppable, friends. The more Castro tried to stamp it out, the more it grew. (laughs) Amen? And that's the destiny of the gospel, friends. That's the destiny of truth. It will triumph over error. Humberto Noble Alexander was an integral part of that underground church in the prison system of communist Cuba. He was finally released on June 27, 1984, through the efforts of former presidential candidate Jesse Jackson. So he spent 22 very, very hard years in those prisons, but they, at the same time, were very rewarding years. By keeping his eyes on Jesus, that was not wasted time. Amen? And I want to tell you, friends, the challenges that we may have faced in 2020 and that we're going to be facing in 2021, let's not make them wasted trials. Let's give God the glory. Amen? Let's maintain an attitude of praise and gratitude no matter how bad it gets. Because no matter how bad it gets, it's going to get really good. Amen? And we can focus on that. We can focus on that. We can focus on that. How many of us today, friends, would like to say with me, Lord, give me a heart full of praise. Could you raise your hand in that prayer with me? Amen. God bless you, church family. God bless you.